Welcome to the Life Giver Marriage Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to share this journey with you. Close your eyes for a minute if you want to see the world. I hear from women all the time, especially military spouses, especially Christian women, and they feel really bad that there's a vacancy. And so instead of letting there be that tension in the room and the silence of nobody signing up for that role, you're usually the person that jumps in to take it. If I stretch myself so thin of saying yes to too many things, either I'm gonna miss out on the one or two things that he actually wants me to do, or I will be doing it all in a mediocre way because I won't be able to put my best into those fewer things that he wants me to do. This is the Life Giver podcast and I'm really excited. It's 2017 and I have been on sabbatical for the past month or two now and so I've been really anxious to get back into the swing of things and get back to the podcast. If you've been listening to the podcast, you've been enjoying some really great episodes from the Military Spouse Wellness Summit um, 2016 where you heard some really great interviews with Taya Kyle, Dr. John Townsend on boundaries. Um, We had Dr. Les Parrott on marriage. He's a phenomenal expert in that field. Um, Dr. Mike Seitzma was the last one on sexuality and I hope that you guys are still really enjoying that one. All of those are worth going back to and listening again or sharing with friends or your spouse, Um, but definitely that was a, a, one of my favorites because it's such a topic that we rarely talk about. And then, of course, Shasta Nelson, if you haven't heard the one on friendship, is really outstanding. And she's right. It's one of those topics that few people think that they need to work on and take a look at. But um, she's an expert on how to develop friendships and maintain friendships. And it's just a really outstanding interview. So I have been on sabbatical here and taking a huge break. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that today. Um, but I wanted to give you guys some quick updates first about kind of what's new and what's coming up in 2017. So first of all, 2017 is going to be all new episodes. Um, obviously starting with today is going to be all new episodes. I've got some wonderful interviews ahead. I'm not going to give away the secrets as to who's, who those are. Um, but I want you to know that it's really Um, looking towards sharing more stories with you, especially stories um, of couples who have overcome something very difficult and are finding joy in their life. It's very important to me that this podcast is one that is positive. There's so much, just the world is so loud right now and it's even social media is just really challenging, I think. And so I really want the podcast to be a safe place, a positive place, um, as much as possible, an ad-free place too, because there's just, the world is just so loud right now. So I am um, excited to tell you, and you are welcome, that I am not going to be um, talking about ho- politics at all on this podcast. It's not my lane. It's not my mission. It's not my passion. And you are welcome for that. So if you want some positive conversations and some positive encouragement, that's what this podcast is all about. And um 
so we'll not be going there. So also, what else? Oh, if you have not um, heard about the app, the Life Giver with Corey Weathers app is now out and available for iOS and Android devices, and it is completely free. Please hear my heart that this app is free. It's my volunteer time, just like this podcast is my volunteer time. I wanted to figure out a way to uh, make this material, all of this marriage content, as interactive as possible. So the app gives you the ability to um, listen to the podcast right within the app. It gives you the ability to read content. I'm now writing for military.com twice a month on marriage topics. And so you'll have access to easy access to military.com and the column Love War. And then we've also got um, a watch section on the app that gives you the ability to watch videos. I'm going to hopefully try to do these podcasts where you can watch it or listen to it, depending on what it is that you want to do. And so today, I guess, is kind of a test of that. I'm not really sure. We'll, we'll find out. Um, so there's just a lot of great stuff. And the most exciting part about the app is that there is and will be curriculum available on the app that you can do a marriage study right within your app and you can type in or text in your answers to questions within um, the app on the marriage study and grow your marriage and make it better. And it's all for free. And that is um, my way of serving you. And so really, this is my volunteer time is figuring out ways to serve you better. So that is the gist as far as new and updated um, information. So here is today's topic. Um, You know, I almost did an episode on conflict because I thought, you know, a lot of us need good refreshers and going back to the basics on conflict. Um, But I don't know, something just wasn't sitting with me right, and I probably will come back to that later. Instead, I wanted to tackle compassion fatigue today. And some of you know what that is, and so we're gonna talk a little bit about what compassion fatigue is um, and what you can do about it. And um, I'd like to tell you a little bit about why this is bothering me and why I thought it would be a really great topic for today. Um, As I said, I took a sabbatical for about two months. It was after not just a whirlwind year, but a whirlwind couple of years where um, I just found myself in the fall irritable and struggling with my patience and um, my husband was saying that I was coming across very apathetic um, and I just was struggling in general with just not having as much compassion for things or patience for people than I normally would. And so I knew the signs of burnout. Um, I knew the signs of compassion fatigue as well. I figured that's probably what I was going through. And um, it was kind of a good decision and a decision that my husband and I made together. I need to take a break and I need to take a sabbatical. And I had some very good friends of mine. Um, I had some very good friends of mine who um, suggested, hey, you know, are you taking a sabbatical anytime soon? You probably need to. And that was a good accountability um, from good friends that were also seeing some of the things that I was doing Um, and maybe not necessarily seeing symptoms kind of leaking out of me of compassion fatigue, but just kind of, hey, you've been doing a lot lately and you might want to take care of yourself. So I listened to that and I wanted to make sure that I took care of myself. So during the sabbatical, um, I made a huge effort to slow down. I really, and honestly, that was the hardest part of all of it, was slowing down and not doing something. And in that, I realized, wow, I actually have a hard time slowing down. And I know I'm not the only one out there that has that struggle. 
So that was a big thing. I also wanted to re-examine my priorities. Why was it that I was doing what I was doing? Um, Not that they were for bad reasons, but I just think it's healthy to take a look at that. So why was I doing what I was doing? Why was I saying yes to the things that I was saying yes to? And would I say yes to those same things in the future? And I really wanted to, like Matt and I call, circle the wagons and really um, just pull together our little small family, spend some time with them through the holidays and really decide what's important in life. And if I was going to continue to do the podcast or anything else, um, what about that was worth me investing and putting my energy into? So that's really what I did during that sabbatical. And I'll be honest, the first month or so was really hard and... It's only been in the last probably three weeks that I feel like I actually have slowed down and my priorities did start to line up. And it's even kind of just now that I feel like things are starting to get better and I'm starting to realize, okay, I'm in recovery mode. So I really don't want the sabbatical to end now. Not that I want to become lazy, but I really don't really want it to end. And so I'm trying to keep my mental focus kind of in the same direction as as I'm moving through whatever this new season is for me. So first of all, I found a couple quotes that I wanted to read you guys because um, some of them are funny, but I think that they're very true to defining what compassion fatigue is. So just follow my train of thought here because you may think that you don't struggle with compassion fatigue, but I think there's a very good chance that some of this is in your life. So here's one quote, the expectation that we can be immersed in suffering and loss daily and not be touched by it is as unrealistic as expecting to be able to walk through water without getting wet. Now, all over social media, we have calls to be compassionate towards this group or that group or this part of the world. I watched a video this morning that like ripped my heart out. And I have, I'm kind of one of those people that wears my heart on my sleeve. And so when something stirs my emotions like that, it's like I want to fly across the world and get involved and join some, I don't know, some project or nonprofit to save the world. And so I know that I very easily get like pulled in emotionally into these situations. And so I think it's based on what this quote is saying, I think it's very realistic for us to to be aware of the fact that with all of the emotions that are going on around us, with all of the issues that are circling all of us on a daily basis, it's impossible to wade through that and not be touched by it somehow, to not be affected by it somehow. The question is, is how is it actually affecting you and how is that showing up in your life? Um, Also another quote, burnout is a depletion or exhaustion of a person's mental and physical resources attributed to his or her prolonged yet unsuccessful striving towards unrealistic expectations internally or externally derived. So basically what that's saying is burnout is caused by our expectations or the expectations of people outside of us. So if you are in a work setting or in a family setting where there is just incredible intense expectations on your behavior, on your ability to serve or your ability to give, that's one burden, right? But if we also are putting that kind of burden on ourselves and expecting us to be able to care for um, everybody around us and we're in their unrealistic expectations, we're going to burn out really quick. Now, I am thinking that I'm seeing everybody's hand who's a mom, especially a stay-at-home mom, is raising their hand like, absolutely, compassion fatigue check for me as a mom, as a stay-at-home mom, because the expectations that we put on ourselves 
to be the perfect mom, to be the perfect wife, to have a Pinterest birthday party. Good Lord, we are putting so much pressure on ourselves that we're burning out before the party's even over. So, okay, a couple more things that I'm going to read to you just because these are more fun. Um, Okay, this is from Drew Carey. Oh, you hate your job? Why didn't she say so? There's a support group for that. It's called Everybody, and they meet at the bar. So that's Drew Carey. So, um... If you are feeling that way where you're like, I hate my job and I just don't even care, then that's a good sign that you're probably burned out. Okay, 10 signs that you are suffering from burnout. This is just for fun because I think we need to have a little bit of a laugh here, okay? 10 signs that you're suffering from burnout. Number one, you're so tired, you now answer the phone, hell, instead of hello. Number two, your friends call to ask how you've been and you immediately scream, get off my back. Number three, your garbage can is your inbox. Number four, you wake up because your bed is on fire and then go back to sleep because you don't care. (laughs) I love that. If you don't care that things are really going wrong, that's a good sign that something you're either burned out or some there's an apathetic thing that's happening for you. Number five, you have so much on your mind you've forgotten how to pee if that's happened to you. Number six, visions of the upcoming weekend help you make it through Monday. How many of us wake up on Monday and we're like, ah, is it only Monday? Is it only Tuesday? And all you can think of is just trying to get to the weekend. Um, That's a sign of burnout. Number seven, you sleep more at work than at home. Those of you that work from home, (laughs) that's a whole other issue, right? Um, Number eight, you leave for a party and instinctively bring your briefcase. Or for those of us that work from home, you bring your mobile device or your laptop. Number nine, your phone exploded a week ago, and I guess apparently you don't care. And number 10, the 10 signs that you're suffering from burnout, you think, uh, you think about how relaxing it would be if you were in jail right now. How many of you feel like that if you just had, I don't know, t- a day, 10 days, a month in jail, that that sounds like a vacation? Um, funny, but if you are feeling that kind of weight and that kind of pressure on yourself, there's a good sign that you are getting burned out or you're very close to it. So let's talk a little bit about compassion fatigue. Um, those of you who are listening and are listening on Facebook, if, um, if you have comments, jump in and say something. Tell me if we're kind of going in the right direction. But here's, here's what I thought about. This was my thought when it came to this compassion fatigue thing. I knew what it was like to have compassion fatigue as a counselor. After six hours of sitting there listening to other people's very deep issues that they're really struggling with in their life, six hours of that, by the end of the day, you're like, I, all of my care and compassion has run out. Um, my husband is a chaplain. I can understand that chaplains um, and other pastors and other caregivers, um, you are always on and always available. And I've heard um, chaplain families that have said to me that their commander has told their chaplain, whatever you need to do, chaplain, to take care of yourself, take care of yourself because um, we can't have our chaplain broken. And the amount of pressure that that puts on chaplain families, I know we have a lot of chaplain spouses um, and chaplains that listen to this podcast. And so um, having that, or, you know, there's a lot of friends that I have who are in ministry or or whose um, spouses are pastors or their pastors. So the amount of pressure of taking care of others all the time. 
But even going further than that, um, I started thinking about um, care. We have so many caregivers, military spouses who are caregivers of wounded warriors. We have first responder spouses who are taking care of their first responder who was injured as well. And so we have caregivers that are um, taking care of someone else 24-7. That is a huge weight going back to those expectations of what does it mean to be a good spouse while you're taking care of someone even in your own home. Then, you know, let's talk about spouses of first responders. Those of us that are in the military bubble, we can imagine it. But the conversations that I've had with first responder families of constantly serving people, constantly serving the community, um, and putting your life on the line every day. When I talk to these first responder families, they have so much empathy for us as military. And then when the military hear about the first responder couples, they're like, wow, I had no idea you're living out deployment and reintegration on a daily basis. He leaves. I don't know if he's going to come home. Then he comes home and we, we reintegrate, right? So this started to make me think about even just spouses in general, military and first responder spouses. Are we struggling or on the brink of compassion fatigue as spouses because of the amount of pressure and expectations we put on ourselves to do the best that we can and support our spouses as their service members or first responders to kind of keep the home together and everybody um, work together? Or what about the spouses, 2017 candidates for a military spouse of the year just came out, 440, which is amazing to me. And because this topic was on my mind, I started to think about what about all of these military and first responder spouses who are out there in their community doing amazing things. And I started to think how many of us are giving so much of ourselves away that we are struggling with compassion fatigue and may not realize it or are burned out and not really realizing it. And we're just, we just keep giving it away in the name of volunteering. Here are some signs of if you are struggling with burnout um, or caregiver stress. Um, And I'm not gonna read through all of these, but I wanna just like kind of skim through a few of them. Tell me if this isn't your life or um, maybe some other military first responder spouses that you know of. Being easily frustrated irritable, like that was already just me in the fall, Um, sadness, feeling inadequate and ineffective, negativity, preoccupation, detachment, right? We talk about that all the time with our marriages, feeling detached in our marriages because we're like ships in the night, right? Or we're stressing so much about trying to keep the family together and we're ships in the night and we're feeling disconnected. Um, Anger at perpetrators or a causal event. Like if you look at the intensity that's happening on social media, it's insane. Um, And so I I want you to pay attention to the reactivity and the impulsive responses that we have in our body and in our minds, even at the stuff that we're watching on TV. If we're already burned out from caring for so many other people and then something else pops up on the TV or in social media or in the culture that says that you should care about that too, That's a sign of compassion fatigue if you just can't care any more than you're already caring and you're exhausted at the thought of caring even more than that. And so anger can come up with that. Um, Impulsiveness can come out with that. Uh, Depersonalizing of other people. I'm seeing that on social media. Um, Negative self-image, depressive symptoms. That's just psychological symptoms. We also have physical symptoms like headaches, stomach complaints, muscle, muscle tension, Um, increased susceptibility to illness, um, nervousness, easily startled, anger, reduced sex drive, 
Um, at work, this is just some signs at work, and I'm just skimming through some of these. There's more than that. Feeling overwhelmed by clients' needs. Um, resentment towards your employer. If you're being asked to do a new task and you feel immediately resentful, you're probably burned out. Poor boundaries. I could do three more episodes on just boundaries alone. Um, over-functioning. I'm going to stop there because over-functioning is something that I see in... Um, in our families all the time, that we are giving so much that it's now, what else can I do? What else can I do? So I think that you guys understand where I'm coming from here. I think that you're understanding that this this is very much an issue and I think it's probably a hidden issue. And the biggest concern that I have in all of this is that very few of you may actually do anything about it. And I think that that is because um, there's this guilt in us that says, you know, I should be able to handle this by myself. Um, I should, I am the caregiver. I am the person that keeps the family together. So it's this idea of, you know, um, I don't need the help or I should figure out how to handle this myself or there's just that guilt there that keeps us from going and getting the help that we need. Not to mention, we're also saying, um, I don't have the time for it, right? Because I'm giving so much to other people and other organizations and PWC and Bible studies and small groups and nonprofits and all of this that I don't have time to take care of myself. I love um, some of you are making some great comments. Thank you for that. And what if we're also in a place where we're saying, no, it's not my turn because I'm here to serve them. And it's selfish for me to take care of myself because I should be all about them. Now, some of you are going to hear me talking about this and you're going to go, yeah, but if I if I switch this around, this is going to turn into very selfish thinking and really only thinking about myself. And isn't it the right thing to do to serve other people? And I would say, absolutely, we should be about serving other people, but not at the point that we are sacrificing ourselves, sacrificing our family, sacrificing what it is that we're passionate about, sacrificing what brings joy to our life. And if you're having some of these symptoms coming up, then that's a good sign you're lacking joy in your life and you have given over to serving other people more than taking care of yourself. Um Another reason why I think people are not going to go and get help is because they're going to be so worried about what other people think. Now, I'm going to be vulnerable with you and say that in the fall, this was something that I started struggling with and didn't even realize it until, I don't want to say until it was too late, but until it kind of creeped up on me so much, it was running a lot of me, is that I was so worried about saying no to something or offending someone or I don't know what it was, but I started to worry too much about what other people thought. And then I put added pressure on myself that really didn't even exist to be better, put out better content, whatever it was, to the point that I burned myself out because I was so worried about what other people thought, even though other people weren't even telling me what they were thinking. <laughs> but somehow I conjured up in my mind that I was going to disappoint people. And I think that that's something that all of us think about and struggle with is we don't want to disappoint someone. We don't want to start something and not finish it. We don't want to... Um, we don't want to do a poor job, so we do it with excellence to the point of sacrificing way too much in our life. So um, so really what I want to talk about now is how do we draw the line? How do we know how to scale back and take care of ourselves? Um, and so I want us to talk about that. And one of the memories that comes up for me is, yes, very similar to burnout in nursing. Nursing is definitely another one of those 
um, caregiver professions where you are so in tune with your patient and so in tune with what your patient needs. Nursing, um, nurses that I talk to struggle immensely with caregiver burnout. So absolutely, that's another great point. Um, back when I was in college, um, we took this little test, like a quiz, and it was measuring the amount of stress in your life. And I, this was 20 years ago, and I'm still remembering this. Matt and I talk about this all the time because we were in that class together. Dr. Colinan, who probably was the most influential professor and person in my life that shaped my spiritual formation, um, gave us this quiz and it measured what, um, how to measure how stressed you are, depending on what's been going on in your life in the last six months. And so it asked all these questions about, did you change your job? Did you lose a family member? Did you um, gain a family member? Did you pass or fail at something? It was just this long list of losses and, um, and successes and all this stuff. And I, to this day, I mean, I was, my numbers were stressed back then. But to this day, if I were to relook at that quiz, I would be off the charts with changes in my life as military families, for sure, the constant changes in your life, um, the surprises, the um, family stress, losses. Um, it just goes on and on as far as traumatic or just loss or successes that add some kind of stress to your life. And so I think about that all the time and I wonder at what point... Is things are things going to calm down? And I think I'm realizing that it's life and that there are some things that aren't going to calm down. So I better learn how to calm the things in my life that I can. I need to learn how do I say yes to the right things and no to the things that are not a good fit for me and not so much worry about what other people are going to say about that. So here, let's get into, because we're going to wrap this up. Um, some of you are like, this was supposed to be a lunch break and it's taking up my whole entire lunch break. So, um, but this is a, this is a podcast. So, um, here are just a few things that I think will help you guys, um, get going. Okay. Number one is awareness. You can't make any changes in your life if you're not aware that it's happening in your life and where it's coming from. And there needs to be a period of time where you just kind of take a back seat and watch your life unfold and your thinking and your the things that you're saying to yourself, the beliefs that you have, and just pay attention to all of that and see, am I burned out? Am I saying yes to too many things? Is it possible that I have compassion fatigue? Other people are telling me um, that some that I seem off, that I don't seem happy, that I don't seem plugged in, and I need to start listening to that. And so sitting, you don't have to take a sabbatical. I will recommend it though, because it was a fantastic season that I don't want it to end now. But sitting back and going, is this an issue that I have in my life? And start to ask yourself the questions, why? Why am I saying yes to this? Um, what is it that brings joy to my life? And if you don't know what brings joy to your life, then sit back and think about what could bring joy to your life. And I guarantee you, probably the biggest thing that will pop up for you is probably something like my marriage succeeding, my children actually stopping and paying attention to what they're saying to me right now and enjoying it, not waiting for it to finish, not waiting for them to be quiet, but actually enjoying what my child is saying to me right now and putting them first. So just sitting back and asking yourself, what brings me joy? And is it possible that I am burned out here? 
Number two, really examine a little bit more what is it that you're telling yourself? What is it that you're telling yourself that's making you give more than you possibly are giving or should be giving? Are you worried that to take care of yourself is is really more self-centered and that I should be giving everything I have to other people? Which by the way, probably if you play that out, it's probably prideful thinking anyways, that if I serve everybody at the expense of myself, then I've raised myself up to being this uber better person because I'm so, you know, giving and serving other people. And then now I'm thinking too highly of myself because aren't I such a servant and serving other people? And aren't I this person that's caring for other people? So you really have to stay on top of that. Is this about others first and me second? Now, I know everybody has different opinions on family and marriage and where you rank yourself and all of that. Um, A lot of times we say God first, me second, marriage third, children fourth, I guess, something like that. Um, and And I would kind of agree with that one. But I just wanna make sure that you aren't putting you at the bottom of the list. If you're putting other people so far Um, ahead of yourself that you aren't taking care of yourself and you're getting burned out, it is okay. It is not selfish for you to take some time to rebalance that so that you can take care of other people and live out something that's very important and purposeful to you while also taking care of yourself. Your hobbies and something else that you might be saying to yourself, my hobbies and my job is more important than myself right now. Most of you would probably go, um, no, I know, I know that I'm more important than my hobby. I'm more important than my job. I'm more important than that nonprofit that I volunteer with, or I'm more important than volunteering with my um, military group of people that we're assigned to right now. Um, I know that I'm more important than that. My challenge question to you, though, is do your actions back that up? Would you, Would somebody else look at your life and say that you put yourself ahead of everybody else in the world that you think that you're responsible for. If you had talked about getting your nutrition back on track, have you followed through with that? Or did you put other things in front of that? What about your spiritual life? What about your emotions? Are you taking care of yourself and filling up so that then you can give to other people? Do your actions back up everything that you're saying that that you're about and what you're telling yourself? And on to number three, let's talk about how do we say no to the things that are robbing us of the energy and compassion that we would like to give to other people. Now, I know a lot of you out there have jobs that are caregiving jobs or jobs where you're supposed to have compassion and care for other people, nursing, um, chaplains, pastors, counselors, mentors. There's a huge list of these jobs or roles where we are called to use our compassion throughout the day and also call on our empathy, our ability to put ourselves in someone else's world in order to do the job, do the task or make a difference. So if we are going to be using that much compassion and that much energy throughout our job there it is very important that we learn how to say no to the things we need to say no to 
For example, I remember when I was working at a halfway house for women out of prison, my office actually was in the same building that they were sleeping, eating, and spending most of their time in. So it was very easy for them to come and go out of my office, to come at every um, opportunity that stress was in their lives or something was going wrong. And I very quickly realized that if I didn't say no or set some good boundaries, I was going to find myself very quickly burned out and very quickly in compassion fatigue. So I had to implement some very clear rules in order to communicate to them where I end and you begin. And it wasn't meant to be mean, but it actually was protective of my job, protective of our relationship, and also giving them the opportunity to solve some of these issues on their own. So I wasn't enabling them by jumping in and helping them with every little tiny thing. They actually grew in confidence in their own ability to make good decisions or work out a problem because I wasn't there for them every second of every day around every corner. So establishing these rules around your job or your role to help you point out to other people, this is when I'm available and some of you need to do that. Some of you need to clearly put your rules of when you are available on your door, if you can close a door or on your cubicle. You also need to be able to maybe have a sign that says, I'm not available right now. You may be in there praying, meditating, doing um, computer work, or just taking a nap. Some of you might be taking a nap. The point is, is that can you clearly articulate your boundaries and say no to people in these very kind of passive, assertive ways that can communicate that you are taking care of yourself and that you're not available all the time 24-7. Now, some of you out there, chaplains included, are supposed to be available 24-7. But again, this is where we talk about how do you say no to people face-to-face. You know, the other one we just talked about was putting a sign. It was very passive. It wasn't communicating verbally a no. But we also have to be able to communicate a verbal no to people that says, I'm so sorry, I can't help you right now. Or when you get that call in the middle of the night to be able to say, you know, this sounds like this particular situation in your life is not a huge emergency. And so I'm going to ask that we kind of sleep on it and talk about it in the morning, eight o'clock. That way we're not spending two to three hours on the phone for something that could wait until later. Um, But being able to say no to somebody Um, To be able to say, you know, I I can't help you with that right now, or that's not within my job description or my role description, but um, if you need my help in finding someone else that can help you with that, I'll be glad to help you and assist you by delegating that to someone else. It's really about you knowing what are you good at and what are you not good at? What takes energy from you and what gives you energy? So for example, I am not somebody that enjoys sales. I do not like to sell things and I'm not good at it either. So if somebody's gonna come to me and say, hey, can you help us sell this product? I'm going to tell them, you don't want me on your team for that. However, if you need somebody that builds relationships or speaks encouragement or really gets people excited and motivated about working together, I am the person for that. And so knowing what brings you energy helps you be able to say no to those things that really don't bring you that energy and you're just not good at. And that also protects us from jumping into roles and opportunities that are just you jumping in because you're filling space. When I think back to my first deployment, I was very eager to get involved. Part of it was for community. 
part of it was to feel like I had a sense of purpose while my husband was gone. And I had a very good friend that I will forever be grateful for her modeling this. And I felt very tempted to jump into leading a small group because there was a vacancy and it was uncomfortable and because I had a desire to do it. But in her wisdom, she knew what this deployment was going to be like because she had been through one before. And she literally stood behind me as I walked you know, down that long table that had all these places where you could sign up for small groups. She literally stood behind me and prevented me and kept me from signing up to be that small group leader. And she told me, this is a time for you to be a sponge, soak up every bit of encouragement and help and resources and community that you possibly can. This may not be the best time for you to lead out on something when you may actually be the one that needs the most help. It was the wisest thing I had ever heard and one of the best moments of community and somebody serving me that I've ever experienced. What she could not have known and I think was really an act of God prompting her to do that for me was that I was needed in these other areas as a care team coordinator during that deployment. And had I signed up to lead a small group, then I would not have been able to do the good job that I needed to do in another area that used my gifts so much more um, and in a better way, in a way that um, really made a, big, a bigger difference than if I would have signed up for that small group. So that's another big thing on, on making sure that we are looking to the accountability of our spouse and to other people around us that we trust to give us the feedback that we need. I hear from women all the time, especially military spouses, especially Christian women who get into these small group situations who find this vacancy and they feel really bad that there's a vacancy. And so instead of letting there be that tension in the room and the silence of nobody signing up for that role, you're usually the person that jumps in to take it. But there is something really important that happens in a group or in an organization when a vacancy or um, something that needs to be filled sits there and it's silent and everybody feels that tension. A number of things happen if you don't jump in and say yes and fill that spot. One of the things that happens is somebody else who has been needing to step up and do something and it's been on their mind for a long time, they finally get the guts and the courage to actually do that. Even more difficult for those of us who rush in and fill that spot um, is watching something fail. That is so hard to watch an organization fail or a team. And it may not necessarily be that it fails completely, but it goes downhill a little bit. But that's also very important for organizations and teams to go through that experience of uncomfortability and maybe going down in a downward slope in order for them to re-examine the things that they need to re-examine. So we need to be a whole lot more comfortable with us not being the ones that jump in to fix something or to make something succeed just because we don't want something to fail. Sometimes things need to fail in order for them to be resurrected and be better. So know how to say no. Know how to delegate responsibilities. If it's not within your job description, delegate it to somebody else. Or if it is in your job description, find somebody on your team that you can team up with so you still hold the responsibility for it to succeed, but you're just not the one person that determines its success. You bring the team together, which not only lets you get a win for seeing that task through, but it also enables this other person on your team to be empowered in something that they're really good at to be part of it succeeding and we want to share that success. 
kind of going back to the sabbatical that I was talking about where I said no to a bunch of things in order for me to rest. Sometimes you need to give yourself permission to rest and you have to say no to certain things. You have to say no to people, to opportunities, to whatever shiny object is in front of you because you have determined that this is a season or a time of rest, whether that's an hour during your day, a week, two months, whatever it is, it's time to rest. Now, a lot of, I think a lot of military spouses out there use PCS time or when you're relocating as a time of rest where you're not involved with these big people groups and opportunities. And I kind of want to caution you guys on that. Not that resting during that isn't possible because I believe that emotionally and relationally, it's definitely possible, but also take into consideration the high amount of stress that's going on in your life when you're moving and coordinating and making sure that your relationships with the children and, and everybody is doing okay during this relocation. Um, give yourself a chance to remember that that high amount of stress isn't going to feel like rest later. So try not to make the entire PCS your opportunity to rest because as soon as you get to that new location, if you're jumping in and saying yes to a bunch of stuff, you're going to be exhausted by the end of that because you really didn't give yourself a chance for adequate rest. Just to give you one last example, I've started doing something that kind of surprised me and I'm not apologizing for it at all. And so let me tell you what I've been doing. For a long time, Matt and I have always said, you know, if we say yes to something, it's really important for us to be people of our word and have integrity and follow through with what we've said yes to. Um, the common phrase that goes through my head is be a woman of your word. So it's, it's about having integrity and that if you say yes to something, follow through with it. And I still believe that that's true. But recently I found myself caught in these situations where I had said yes to some things because in the moment it, it felt like it was the right thing to do or um, it was really exciting or it seemed right to, to help out somebody else. And I kind of had this thought of, you know what, I could possibly go back on this and say no to it um, before it's too late. So let me give you an example of this. Um, my husband and I had been talking for a long time about going camping. And we had wanted to get our tents and maybe go for a night and take the kids. We started to think about how much it would be fun to have his parents come with us. And then that got really exciting and that evolved into talking with them about maybe we should get a lodge and we should go for a whole weekend. And, and it kind of started to snowball and it started to evolve in our excitement because we really wanted to do this. And then the more I thought about this, the more I, I talked with Matt and I said, you know, this sounds really fun and it's something that I know we'd love to do, but we financially didn't budget for this. And in the past, we would have, you know, pushed through and had a great time and maybe um, struggled to bring ourselves back from a dent in our finances or whatever. And we would have pushed through because we said we were going to do it. We've already talked about it. And so we're just going to follow through and, and make it make the most of it. And we could have done that. So I called up, I talked with Matt first, and then I called up his, his mom and I said, you know what, I want to do this. We all want to do this. And I don't want to disappoint everybody. But when I really think about it, it doesn't feel wise. And I'm so sorry that I got excited about it and I got um, into pl this planning stage before I really thought through whether or not it was the right choice and whether or not it was wise. And I'm really sorry, but I think I need to say no, that we need to figure out another way to do this. 
And it was such an aha moment for me that I realized that sometimes it doesn't damage our integrity for us to say no to something that we have just said yes to, especially if we have remorse about it and realize that we made a mistake in saying yes to it. You can actually show a lot more of your integrity to go back to that person, especially if it's like right around the corner, not like way almost, you know, where we're about to execute whatever the plan is. But if it's like right after to be able to go back to that person and say, I made a mistake. I'm really sorry, but I need to go back on this decision before it gets out of control. And um, if I need to help you clean up any of this mess that I've caused, I definitely want to do that. But it just does not feel like a wise decision to me. And I'm I'm trying to make a bigger effort lately to catch those moments faster um, than I did before. And I would much rather own the fact that I, I apparently have an issue with saying yes too quickly and own that in front of somebody than find myself completely burned out and really struggling because I have the consequences of not cleaning up those messes and then I have this immense amount of stress and compassion fatigue in my life. So to wrap up, um, one of the things that I've been doing since uh, the beginning of the year actually is returning to memorizing scripture and really returning to the word of God to help me stay on this much better narrow path of not getting ahead of God. Too many times I have made a a quick decision and said a quick yes to something before God showed me that it was the right thing to do. And I went ahead of God. And because I went ahead of God, um, a lot of stress, a lack of peace, and a lot of consequences of just stress and having to follow through and execute something that probably wasn't necessarily something that was in his will or that he wanted me to do. And so I've gotten back to memorizing scripture lately and every first and 15th of the month, I pick up another scripture verse to memorize. And the one that I want to close with is the one that I'm doing for the, um, for the beginning of this month of February. And it is, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And that's out of second Corinthians nine, eight. And so I have a lot of studying to do on this verse, but one thing that's standing out to me that I do know for sure just because I think it's a good work for me to get involved in and it's another shiny object that looks good doesn't mean it's a good work that is approved tested and in the perfect will of God and I need to remember that it is he that determines what is a good work not me and so I need to make sure that I develop the self-control that I need to say no when I need to say no to slow down and wait for his prompting Um, And that if I do that, if I do my best to take care of my stuff, that God is the one that will bless my efforts in saying no, and that he will bless the opportunities that he's wanting me to get involved in. If I stretch myself so thin of saying yes to too many things, either I'm going to miss out on the one or two things that he actually wants me to do, or If I spread myself too thin and still get to do these things that he wants me to do, I will be doing it all in a mediocre way because I won't be able to put my best into those fewer things that he wants me to do. Guys, I love you and praying for you and I'm excited to serve you this next year, 2017. Thanks for joining. If you're loving the Life Giver podcast, please share it with someone else because you never know what they're struggling with and what it is that they need to hear. And my hope is that 
this podcast continues to bring you encouragement, that it continues to bring you hope, and that it's something positive that's in your life. Thank you for the opportunity to step into your world and your journey, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Would you like to send in a shout out and have it included on the Life Giver podcast? Anyone, civilian or military, can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoreyWeathers.com or call in and leave a voicemail shout out to 706 706- Four three one seven two two two, and we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.